trying to get Twitter verified. Oh, yeah. You're not verified? No. <sighs> upset, upset about not being verified, and I have been for a long time. And now that I have the opportunity to be now, I'm just setting myself up to be upset that I'm going to be rejected for verification. No, you'll get it. I mean, everything I know about verification is this. It's totally random. No, it's not totally random. There's there's a method to the madness. I just don't I just don't understand why they would accept me now and not before. But I'll I'll fill out the form. Well, I may not be, it may not fit the the perfect entropic definition of absolute chaos, but I'm frequently sometimes I'll go and I'll hit the verified tab to see like verified people who like if I'm having like a kind of a high traffic day, I'll go like, "Oh, I wonder if anybody famous saw this." And I'm, I'm astonished. This is, I don't mean this as a value judgment, but it's really random that there are people with like 5,000 followers who are verified, and then there are people with hundreds and thousands of followers who are in the line of fire, looking at you here, Brianna Wu, <laughs> who can't get verified. And it's the way I got verified was a friend of mine who worked at Twitter said, hey, do you want to be verified? I said, I barely understand what that means, but sure. And I think the same thing with the same guy is how Roderick got verified. It it was pretty close to random. Yeah, but that's not random. That's knowing somebody. Yeah, that's totally one way you can do it. Someone inside Twitter with access to the button asks you, you say yes, and they click the button. I would totally take that deal. I just don't know anyone at Twitter who will click that button for me and haven't for years, even though I've desperately wanted to be verified. Well, the thing is, for a long time, I'm not sure it mattered that much. It matters today because you get better stuff. You get better features. And I think I don't have to see the same Twitter that a lot of people see from what I can gather. But I I just mean random in the sense that I don't think they have like a weekly, you know, meeting to decide how they're going to verify 5,000 more people this week. I think it's very onesie-twosie. That's all I meant by that. Yeah, I have no actual reason to be verified. I just want it. So that's, you know, whatever. But now that they're offering, hey, anyone come fill out this form? I'll fill out the form, I guess. I feel like I should be verified, but I don't actually need to be. Tell me, um, apart from status, which is absolutely understandable, tell me why... Tell me why you want it. Well, there I have, there have been a few random cases of people using my avatar picture and making an account with my name and, and using using like Unicode. I've had people with like doing fake Unicode. Yeah, they're not usually not even that clever. Just clever enough to trick somebody for a second, and I just report those. And it's not a it's absolutely not a problem for me, but it has happened before. But mostly right. just because, like you said, the 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 check mark thing. Like I don't again, I don't need it, but the idea that I can go through some sort of process so that when people see tweets from this account they realize it's actually really me right that's somewhat valuable i mean i have a not insignificant number of followers just to be clear i'm not trying to you know cross-examine you i'm just like i I have it so like i am the ultimate privileged person i didn't even want it i didn't need it i kind of sometimes hate having it because there's a perception that you're some fancy person and i i honestly i honestly believe for a long time it didn't matter as too much more than status what i can say is that i i'm pretty sure i get some features including filtering that not everybody gets. So, like, are you aware of that? Yeah, I know about the features. I, I don't need them. Um, I, I feel like the main feature is the fact that people can see that and realize that this is really me. That's all I'm looking for. Like, I, and, it's not, and again, I don't really need that. It's not a big problem for me, but it's, it's enough of an issue that just for peace of mind, it's like I feel better when I don't have to constantly be worried about someone thinking uh, some other account that looks kind of like me mm-hmm. is actually me. It's like, that's what the checkmark is for. And everybody should have access to it. I mean, that's the no-brainer thing about this. It's not like everybody should have the option to do that. I understand that everyone perhaps doesn't because there is some overhead involved in it, 
but by all means, charge a couple of bucks. If like the people who need this feature, like again, Prianabu, would gladly pay a nominal fee to cover your cost of whatever manpower is required to verify that yes, this is really your ID, government ID, and you know whatever, you know whatever. We're not saying it's free. Like I understand that, that some work is involved, but just charge people. Like people yeah. will pay that in a second. Like just to cover your costs. Well, and you know, if, if in an ideal world, if they had in several ideal worlds, if they had the resources, there's something that I think feels very simple. I don't, I don't see. I haven't signed up for a new Twitter account in a while, so I don't remember how this goes. But, but it seems to me that like there should be some speed bump to creating new accounts. Um, like if you're reusing a phone number or something like that. Like I, I, I don't want. I haven't thought this through enough to say whether this would be a barrier to legitimate people getting accounts but part of this seems to be like well why isn't everybody verified to the extent that not necessarily verified as in are you that steve martin but down to like is there like a this equals equals that for your phone number and you but i think the answer is they you know the practical answer is they don't have the resources but the other answer is they need the growth i mean okay so do you get the thing now where like something you posted five days ago suddenly gets favorited by boobs or a butt now that's that's twitter <laughs> that's how twitter works <laughs> well that, to me to me this is well I, I i didn't used to notice that too much but in the last i'm gonna say month it's gotten pretty bad it's it's gotten pretty bad and it's pretty gross i block them every time which i know is like hitting, hitting the elevator button mm-hmm. but but and it, isn't there some part of you that thinks that's what it is they they are really struggling on showing um I forget what the acronym is, but they're struggling to show how many people are using it regularly. Monthly active users or whatever. Yeah, MAUs, I guess. Yeah, they're trying. They're having. Apparently, they're having trouble with that. They're having trouble with growth. And I bet about the last thing on the big priority board is to make it more difficult to create a new account. And I, I'm I'm not trying to make them sound nefarious, but the, an- the actual answer to this is, you know, make it so you have to be verified in some sense to show that you're a person. And suddenly the quality of everything goes up. Now you have, you'll still have to deal with dinglings, but you're not going to have to deal with how trivially easy it is to go set up a new account. It seems like it, for, from a user standpoint, especially a female celebrity user standpoint, especially a female black celebrity user standpoint, it feels like it fixes like four problems. Yeah, the, there is the problem of anonymity, which they do want to support in some fashion that they have to figure out a way around and that... You want people to be able to be on Twitter without revealing their identity, but at the same time, like you said, you want some way to prevent the ease of sock puppet account creation. And the cynical view that's like, oh, anything they do to make this harder will mess with their numbers, I really don't want to believe that. Um, Or if I do believe that, I have to believe that they cross the point where it's hurting their active users more for Twitter to be known as a place where terrible people get free reign to do whatever they want with not even the, the the smallest possible control so like you said if you if you had to associate it with a credit card number and that you know you couldn't like this i don't even want to go through suggestions of like how to, how to limit the ability to just create random throwaway accounts to harass people with the million suggestions other services have done them people are giving twitter lists it's not the first time that this problem has ever existed and it does not have to be as draconian as facebook became there's got to be somewhere in the middle where you're not going to squash people's need for any variety of reasons to be anonymous personally i wouldn't mind seeing a halfway decent white paper that explains how much anonymous use on twitter is used by neutral to, to good people well neutral to good uses versus like clearly designed to be their like you say, sock puppets, people who are there exclusively to be agents of chaos. Because it's a, it's a turd in the punch bowl, and it's, yeah. it, you can see people like that are feeling, literally, that are feeling chased away. 
And that's, that's so ugly and so unnecessary. That, that's, that's even beyond the verification thing of like, there's, there's the, the basic ideas of throttling account creation to deal with that stuff. Then there's the verification ideas, which is both used as a tool to ensure people that you are who you are, but also used as a tool if people would choose to, to be a filter through which they view the Twitter world. So you could have controls that, uh, you know, if it was open to everybody, then the only people who wouldn't do it uh, were the people who, you know, I actually don't even know. Like, I guess if you make the barrier big enough, then this is like the same thing as saying, I don't want to see tweets from anybody whose account is less than 30 days old and has less than three followers or whatever. And has, anyway, and like has, said, and has an egg. I mean, there's yeah. I, I, at the risk of misusing the word algorithm, it seems like a, a savvy person could come up with something that over 80% of the time is going to identify. If this is, if this is an account that's new, that has been proportionately widely reported, it's got an egg, it's got some kind of a series of digits after it. I mean, certainly there are going to be little fish to get caught in the net, but at the very least, you could use that as a filter. Even if you're not using the ban hammer, you could at least use that as a filter to say that, okay, there's just this whole bunch of people out there that probably should not be showing up in the feeds of people who are just normal people. If you really cared about what you were saying there, you you would put something like your name and your icon on it, and you would stand by your words. But it's these. It, all it takes is somebody with 13 followers to go out there and, and start screaming the N-word at somebody. It's the worst. I don't know. I, I mean, am I, you tell me, am I abuse, misusing the idea of what an algorithm could do? It just, it just seems to me that I could, off the back of my, I could just come up with it. Like I say, the egg icon is obviously a hilarious classic. But I mean, if you, there's got to be behavioral patterns that they are using for advertising that could equally be applied. It could be location. It could be age of account. It could be number of people you follow or don't follow. And it could certainly be in the fullness of time patterns about how you operate and how often you're reported that does not sound uh surpassingly difficult to roll up yeah but like you said they haven't even got the basics right i mean so, so many people who have been victims of harassment on twitter have written long detailed lists basically doing twitter's job for them saying here are a bunch of actionable ideas sorted by priority and value and like how you might implement them and what the effects would be like all you know it's like i don't work for you twitter but if i did Here's what I would suggest in a meeting. And so many people have done that. It's not as if they're like scratching their heads like, well, there's nothing we can do. And like you said, all the prior art of other companies that have done similar things. And there's a continuum of how far they want to go. Like, you know, Facebook's real name things being the obvious example of going too far and um, uh, creating other problems. But this is before even considering what you're talking about, which is like, all right, assume everybody has a way to verify who they are and tools available to them to filter things or whatever like we're so far from that now that that seems like and then everything will be fine but even if you just do all that like we snap our fingers that's all done twitter does everything you just imagined there's still the question there's still the reddit question which is uh what kind of service do you want to run what kind of things do you want to go on on yeah like like what's what's okay here exactly and their their current terms of service are so vague and so badly enforced that it's like it's not it's not like reddit where they're like anything goes period um, there are limits, but so many things that happen on Twitter are, you know, you see all these canned replies is like, unfortunately, this does not violate our terms of service. And it's like, well, your terms of service suck. Yeah. Because, or, or maybe, that, you know, that's what I think. Well, it's a Justice Potter thing where, like, if you if you can look at Leslie Jones's feed and not see something terribly, terribly wrong there, you know, I, I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if every single one of those meets the criteria, but how do you look at that dumpster fire and see anything but a series of problems that need to be fixed two years ago? Right. And that's like, you know, at a certain point, you have to say this type of thing is not something we want 
on the servers that we run that we pay for telegraphing who is and is not welcome here yeah that that's and and to allow it there like it's there's the worst uh the worst reddit fallacy is like well you know i have to allow it because i'm the government of the united states and the only place people can communicate online is twitter and therefore all speech must be allowed it's like no you know like decide what you want in your, and it's up to them do they say okay this is what we want on our service well the outcome of that will be that either you give us tools so that we don't have to deal with that or people will leave right and Damn. but but even if we have tools it's like okay i don't have to see that hosting that the, the, you know a certain uh type of discourse like where does it end i mean obviously everyone has their line it's like okay people can't be trading child porn on twitter like everyone is comfortable drawing that line it's like oh, well that's illegal you can't you know whatever but I guess most people are comfortable in the line, but all right, so let's keep backing it off. Like we have, you know, uh, KKK, uh, close knit networks of KKK people who plan their meetings and stuff. Is that okay? Like, you know, but I mean, like you're skipping over, I probably unintentionally, but like overt death threats. Like if you are overtly threatening the, the, if you're violently threatening somebody, if you're threatening violence directly, you upon one person, like, how is that okay? Well, that's the guess into the things that are just illegal in real life. Right. It's not cybersecurity, it's security. It's just, right. You know, again, like the childborn, that's a legal period. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. But, like, behind that line, you can keep bringing it down and down to the point where you're like, no cursing allowed on Twitter. And that's like, okay, well, if that's a service Twitter wants to run, they can run it. But I bet a lot of people would leave because they want to curse and they would go find someplace else to curse. And you know why they can do that? Because Twitter isn't the only place online where you can type words. You know, like, that's that's the whole thing about all these services. Like, they get big enough and people start to think they're an institution. It's like, well, Twitter has to allow everybody there because kicking somebody off Twitter, like, that's the end of the world. No, it's not. <laughs> like, they can go other places. They can write things on their own websites. They can do whatever they want within the bounds of the law on the Internet. And anybody can see it through the magic of URLs, but it doesn't necessarily have to be on Twitter. But it just amazes me that so many of these online services decide that what they want to be acceptable on their platform it's so incredibly broad as to include all sorts of behavior that if you were to ask them individually do you like this behavior like well no i don't like it but i have to allow it why do you have to allow it well because i have to start if i have to start picking and choosing uh what i like and what i don't like it'll exclude too many people Mm -hmm. that's true maybe but on the other hand if you don't make any judgments like that except for things that are blatantly illegal you end up with the opposite problem. So again, it's a balance. How, where where do you want to find that balance? And I feel like Twitter's balance is way off. For a thing that is advertised on like the bottom of commercials, there are hashtags and stuff, and people have tweets, you know, on television shows. And like, I'm not going to say it's a family service, but it's so clearly a mass market public thing. And again, not that mass market needs to be like old style network TV where there were actual government mandates because of the airwaves about what they could and couldn't show with these, you know, very conservative ideas of what you're allowed to say on network television shows or whatever. But there's the idea that if something is truly mass market, uh, the extremes of societal views uh, tend not to be, or and activities tend not to be particularly welcome there. Again, Twitter's free to do whatever it wants with its service. But I say like, if that's their goal, if their goal is we want to be uh, you know, a mass a mass market, mass media uh, type of thing, and you have to do some amount of policing, more than they're currently doing. Otherwise, the service they will end up creating will only be of particular interest to the, uh, you know, extremists and people who can tolerate and or are directly battling that behavior. Yeah. I'm uh, clicking here, going through Instapaper for some good uh, stories on this over the years. There's one I'd love your help finding for show notes. There's that woman who wrote her there's a series of like paragraph long things about here's what to do to like from my point of view here's what to do 
to fix some of the abuse problems on Twitter. And it was, uh, I think, probably at least a couple dozen. You remember this one around maybe in the last year or so. I'd love your help finding it. But it was just a lot of like really sensible stuff that involved autom- a lot of automation with like looking at who does what and then giving people a lot of granularity in what they choose to see. And I realized that those are different problems. But there's, for example, there was a, um, I, guess, I don't know if this was as a result of the six-sided star thing, but somebody recently ran some numbers on who follows what and who influ- influences whom in the um, white nationalist world and produced a pretty interesting graph about who influences whom. So somebody out there has the ability, I guess it's with the API, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're, but like civilians, third-party people, without getting you know banned for abuse, <laughs> have the ability to go in and find these kinds of relationships. And I, let me be clear, I'm, I'm not suggesting a witch hunt, but I am saying have a policy that is realistic and then use something something beyond the need for humans. Because as long as, here's part of the problem, is as long as they make this about, well, we're doing the best we can, we have the terms of service, and then we have a limited number of resources for taking care of it. As long as they say that, it's not that different from FOIA requests being put on a 386 computer. Because they're basically saying like, well, you know, we'd love to fix it, but we just can't, you know, and you just, you put your hands up, make a shrug. It just seems like there's got to be a way to use some kind of automation to make some of this less onerous on people. Just, I mean, and if nothing else, I mean, think about like, um, I mean, look at, look at Reddit or look at anywhere where you can, down, you know, vote stuff up and down or the way that Google got good by figuring out who's authoritative in terms of things. I'm not trying to make this a class thing or power thing, but like if a lot of your most valued users have identified this thing as abuse, maybe that should pop to the top of the pile today. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the algorithmic things a lot of people were talking about with like shared block lists because it was like uh, these organized harassment campaigns. Block everywhere? Is that the one? I'm on it. Yeah, something like that. I mean, <laughs> when I say I'm on it, I used it for a while to say, don't let anybody who's a new account or with fewer than these followers. I think we talked about this before. I, I, you know, so I eventually turned it off because everybody was getting sad. But mm-hmm. that's that's one way to do it is if it's an account that's been around, you know, well, put it this way, if it's been around for, you know, a, a week and it's got this many followers, like at least gray listed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think uh, the difficulty of that is it's not particularly well supported by the platform. And also, it's hard to come up with these broad stroke things because you don't want people, individual communities on Twitter to become more insular and isolate themselves from everything else, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when you, like you said, when you see there's these large groups of people just constantly harassing other people, it's the same people all the time. And sock puppets aside, uh, you just don't want to see anything from them anymore. You want to be able to be, to use the service without having to wade through all the crap. And it's not difficult to identify the crap uh, mm-hmm. with some basic technology. That's And that's aside from the people who should be booted off Twitter entirely for g- crossing the line. But just people who are like, you know, people are just constantly politely disagreeing with you. Like, it, it's, you know, there's the balance to be struck between... I don't want to see anything that I ever disagree with, which makes for a not particularly fun service or at least something different than Twitter. Yeah, but you, like, you got you got mute for, you got mute for stuff like that. But it's sort of like I've been saying lately about like me and my my phone, where I feel like I've reached a point now, where I'm reaching a point now, where I want to change the way I think about filtering, where I want it to now be that there's just a there is one big door, and I don't even want to know about the call until it's been vetted. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, it's different from like, oh, somebody in my family who wants to send me Jesus stuff. Like that's, you know, that's frustrating and it doesn't make my day, but it's not ruinous. Whereas people who are calling and actively trying to do, you know, uh, some of these sometimes like like pretty well-known scams, like 
I don't even want to have to see that number come up. You know what I mean? I, I feel like there's got to be a change in the way you filter that stuff to assume that a lot of stuff out there could be potentially nefarious. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's analogous, but I, I, I think, I think it's, hmm, I, I, I'm not saying this for clapping to quote John Wayne, but, but I honestly feel like people have got to open their eyes a little bit to what it's like to be somebody who's not them. And the Leslie Jones thing, I, well, that's your name, right? Leslie Jones? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, go, you know, <laughs> I used to say I, I wish that Michael Arrington had to read aloud every comment that appeared on TechCrunch every day, and then he might start thinking more about how much commenting he wants on his site. I feel like, you know, if we all go and look at what that woman had to deal with in the last, like, five days, uh, if that doesn't make you think differently about this, you're not looking hard enough, because you're fortunate enough to not have to see that yet. But like for people who are in that position, like somebody's got to speak up for them and like keep saying this is like not a fixed problem. And like you say, selfishly, like not altruistically, selfishly, I don't want to live in a bad neighborhood. I don't want this to become a place that that I can't even stand to look at because it's become so poisonous. And you mentioned like that she has to deal with it. Like, well, she doesn't have to deal with it. Why is she even on Twitter? Like the reason people are on Twitter is because there's a good side to it. Celebrities or anyone really goes on Twitter not just not only to talk with people that they know in real life, but to meet new people. And yes, in the case of like massively famous celebrities or people in, you know, blockbuster movies or whatever, to be accessible to regular people in a way that wasn't possible in the days before technology. It used to be that you could write a letter to your favorite star and their, you know, their handlers uh, or interns or whatever would take a signed photo and give you a form letter and send it back to you. And that would take, you know, four to six weeks. Right. And that was your interaction with celebrities. But uh, Twitter allows direct interaction of very famous people with their fans, which is fun for the fans, fun for the celebrity. It can, it can you know, I, it, it's it's a good thing. That's the, the reason People do it because they like doing it. People do it because it's a good part of promoting your movie and it's just another vehicle for you to, like, spread your brand and you know like there are so many good aspects of it which is why people are on it at all otherwise why is leslie jones on twitter at all like there is value here that's what we're trying to preserve it's not like we're saying like oh you know you don't have to be on twitter what's the big deal it's like saying well you don't have to be in you get it so you're getting harassed on the internet well you don't have to be on the internet why not just be a hermit and live in a cave it's 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 untenable but and not and again i'm not saying like well twitter is the only place you can go on the internet to do that because there are other places but i'm saying what what motivates people to come to twitter in the first place they come here for the good yes, yes. and they get the bad overwhelms it and then they end up leaving and in the long run that's bad for twitter because if that if twitter doesn't deal with this problem people will just go elsewhere and that's bad for twitter and those of us who like twitter are saying twitter you have potentially a good thing here you're letting it slip through your fingers by not addressing the badness. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. But just to put a little bit of sauce on the salad, I think if you go look at, well, I can just speak for myself. I've I have had I have been offered stuff. A nobody like me has been offered enough stuff where there's a codicil in the contract that says you will promote this in these places in this way. And in fact, I don't want to sound cynical, but I've been offered speaking gigs where I'm pretty sure I was mostly offered the speaking gig because it would also mean a certain number of tweets from me. And I'm a nobody. We're not even talking about people who are like out there, you know, pimping shoes and snack foods. But I mean, I'll bet you there's a pretty good chance that inside of that she is expected probably by contract to promote, promote her movie. So yeah, it's nice to be there to collect the accolades from people like me who thought she was fantastic in that movie. And yeah, I agree. And that's why people come there. But the other part of this is, you know what? This is part of your work. 
Facebook is part of your job now. It is nice to be able to talk to the kids, but you also have to be there to say, this is where tickets are available for the show. This is where you can go to download the app. Like there are, and that's not the pretty side of this, but there is an element also of this is part of your job, not just in terms of your personal brand. It's part of your job in that the studio is expecting you to promote the movie that way. So, I mean, what might be what might be part of the untold story is here, you know, she kind of, I want to say she had to be there. I hope she wanted to be there. I'm sorry now she doesn't want to be there. I understand why. But I would not at all be surprised if there is a at least implicit, if not explicit, expectation that you are going to use your social media platforms to promote stuff. And now that's something she can't do. That's why so many so very famous celebrities use Twitter and other outlets, internet outlets, as sort of a write-only medium, where you can tell that they don't read the things that are tweeted back to them. They just tweet outward. Even lots of bands do that. The only thing you ever seen from a band account is with show dates, where to get tickets, and that's it, and not lots of communication with the fan base, um, because they don't see the value in it. And the, for celebrities, they see such a massive downside. Maybe they've learned their lesson where they're like, on the beginning, they're like, oh, Twitter, oh, I'm going to go hang out there. Let's see what people are saying about me. And someone said something nice, and I'll reply. And we have this nice exchange, and I feel like I've connected with an individual fan while sitting in my pajamas uh, in my bedroom. And wasn't that nice? And then you get some not-so-nice ones, and eventually you learn this is not particularly emotionally healthy for me to do and it's not productive um, and I don't enjoy it. And so now I'm just going to send tweets outward to tell them about my movies and stuff and never read anything. And then it just becomes like a tiny uh, micro blogging platform. And that's not really the way, you know, unidirectional. I don't think that's the way Twitter wants its product to be used even by celebrities. Like you said, these contracts just start saying not only do you have to tweet about the movie as part of your PR thing, but like when you go on a press junket, you have to sit there and answer questions. In the case of a press junket, you sit there and answer the same questions from reporters, some of whom can be obnoxious. But but nobody sits there for three days and says, you look like an ape. Exactly. And so with, with it, the individuals, it's like, all right, well, so I do I have to go on Twitter and promote my movie, but also respond individually to people? Because again, we now we get back to tools. Like, all right, well, why, why not just respond to the nice people? But you can't just see the nice people. You see everything. Why not just not look at the bad ones? It's like, you know, it's... It, it amazes me how many people are, you know, replying about this who are like, "What's the big deal? Just mute, just mute people, just ignore it." Sticks and stones. It's like you. So somebody never... with so somebody with two hundred eight followers. Yeah, and no, it's always somebody who's never experienced this before. Like, yeah. and I've never experienced it before. But at least you can have a little bit of imagination and think about what it might be like. Like the idea that uh, somehow you'll be able to just let it roll off your back, like you know, water off a duck's back. It'll be like no big deal. Like. Are you kidding me? Stop being so sensitive. Yeah, what's the big deal? It's just a joke. I'm not really going to hang you and your family. Well, and like it's like it's like some of our some of our friends and some of our especially woke female friends have said on the one hand, a you know, thanks for pitching in how you can on this stuff, but b, wow, it's amazing to go and look at your responses and see how very different it is from mine, and that's something I try to keep constantly in mind. Um. So help me find that article. This is depressing. I tried. I Googled for it a bunch. I Googled with a bunch of names. There's, there's been a lot of them. I didn't find any of them, but we'll find them. Go to uh, relay.fm slash rd slash 31, and there will be notes in there. Should we move on to happier things? Well, before we get off the Twitter thing, okay. uh, I'm trying to <laughs> I can go all little, night. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to fill out the form to futilely request a verification, which will be denied to me because I'm not notable enough. Oh, um, dear. Here we go. Here comes the good cop. Yeah, one of the no, I'm just this is just a pity party. One of the <laughs> one of the requirements is that I have to do something that I have never done on Twitter intentionally, which is enter something for the bio field. 
Oh. Do you have something in your bio? Yeah. What do you have? I change it every few days to a different line, um, inscrutable line from a comedy usually. Yeah, that's not going to help me get verified. What is mine right here? That's weird. Yeah, no, mine always used to just, I mean, who cares? I hate people's Twitter. I says the, here's my I Twitter. Know, I know. I, why do you think I have left it blank? Because there is literally nothing I could write there that I won't hate myself for writing. My, co- <laughs> my Twitter bio is, the code word is Rochambeau. Dig me? My location is The Outside Lands, and my link is the show that you are listening to now. You should say you're an analyst. Like I said, there's nothing I can write there, like except for like something obscure and jokey, which, again, will not help me get verified. John, John, just say I return null. No, that's your thing. Come on, you can take it, buddy. No. I'm the good cop. No, I gotta, I gotta think of something. I gotta think of something that's like, all right, so we all know the formula for a terrible... White male Twitter bio. We all know what this looks like. Go ahead, re- recite it to me. Oh, you, okay. You want four nouns? How about this? <clears throat> Let's see. Well, there's, there's the the second one is where you do like where you're like uh, engineer by day, wine connoisseur yep, by no, night. That's, that's that, but you got the first one. The, fa- the best. The was, best one is yeah. uh, engineer, canoeist, mm-hmm. lover, mm-hmm. person. No, you forgot. You forgot father? father and husband. Father and husband are always. <laughs> it always caps it. Like you always got to cap it yeah. with like I am all of these things, but also I am a father. Or but also yeah. I am a husband. But it's it's funny because like it, it, there was a while where it got to be, and I, I don't want to make too much of a joke about this because let everybody be who they want to be, whatever. But it's something like where it basically came down. I think I had a tweet about this a long time ago with some bad code in it. I wrote a bad bash script for this, but it said basically, um, the job that I hate. Uh, the thing the wish that I the thing I wish I could do for a living, what I hope the opposite sex thinks about me, and then something like you know person. It's usually person. It always ends with person. I'm a ultimately I'm just a person. Yeah, person is the, a little bit too uh, fancy and clever one. But like, but here's the thing about that form of the Twitter bio. The reason so many people do it is because look, it's not a big field. They give you a single line. It's not a text area. It's an input, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they're not looking for you to write ten paragraphs about yourself. And when you have to sum yourself up, especially if you're you're an adult with a job and potentially a family, you go through like what are the things that I'm known by? At work, like I have a work persona, I have a I have a career, maybe even. And so whatever I do professionally, especially if I've been doing it for a long time, is a big part of my definition. Um and then you say, Okay, but there are also things I do for fun, and those kind of define me as a person too, so maybe I can list those. And then there are there are family things, like you know, are, if you're married or not, that would come up. Um, and if you have kids or not, that would come up. Like, there's no there's no inherent shame in the things people are trying to express in that format. But because the field is small and everyone uses that format, it has become such a, like, a cliche that it's very, like, I feel like almost if I, if I was to do that, it would either be interpreted as me making fun of people who do that, which I wouldn't be and it wouldn't be fair, or it would be interpreted as earnest, in which case I just blend in with the rest of everybody else. And and even if I did that, I wouldn't even know what to put in the parts that aren't father and person and husband. Like I got I got those nailed. Those are true, and it tells you things about me that you might want to know. Um, and they are important aspects of because like, who's who's going to say that those aren't important aspects of themselves? Who's not going to like if you're being honest? Who's not going to list father and husband because those are such defining characteristics? And who's not going to list something about their career? Like everyone, like that's those are. It's not a uh, a crazy thing to say that those define everybody who's writing a Twitter bio. And yet I feel trapped by the format to try to say anything without falling into the multiple nouns thing. And what was, what was your other one? There's the one with the four nouns. 
And then there's the one that's got some kind of, I forget what the Greek term for this is, not diuresis, but it's, but it's where you're like, you know, uh, Java developer by day, mm, kite yeah, surfer yeah. by night. Yep. And then a third thing usually that yeah. is the, the joke thing. Yeah. So how close was I with the code? Did I, did I, did I have any errors in there? I should probably control out the, it's, uh, it's the amazing. Like the, it's like Esperanto, like you're, you know, I, I've seen a code and I have typed it long ago. But I don't remember enough about it to write it in any one particular language. So here you go. This is Code Esperanto. <laughs> for, for, so. for the audience here, he has spelled out function space, Twitter bio, all lowercase, open curly. Then he's got echo, dollar sign, real job, all lowercase except for capital J. And then a bunch of more case, dollar sign things with like, you know, Java, JavaScript, uh, what do you call it? Uh, capitalization. So it's not shell. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of like JavaScript, but it's not because it's well, got it's echo. A, it's and, a, it's no a language parents. of my own design. And it's, yeah, it's it's uh, Code Esperanto. So, but anyway, it's real job, aspirational job, family title, and then wackadoodle hobby, and then you have to have a gerund, usually involving technology, since a year. So, here's what I got for you: programmer, Star Wars fanatic, father, and podcaster, Macintoshing since 1984. Yeah, that, like when I had to write my Ars Technica bio, that's basically what I did, but I did a longer version of that. Like yeah. it's not. I, I, there are some parts of my R's bio that I like, but they won't really fit. But here's the thing: I'm I entirely. The only reason I'm writing anything in this field, like I left it intentionally for years. Like I've never written anything there. I, I like it not to be there, but now I have to put something. So the only reason I'm writing anything is I'm thinking: what is the thing that I can write there that will increase my chances of Twitter verifying me? That's all I'm thinking about. Oh, like, I, I have to make myself sound important, like because they're gonna as part of the verification. Like they they just want to know why should we verify you. What's the big deal about you? And if I if I'm honest, I have to say like <laughs> I can't believe how much you can overthink this. In the grand scheme of things, probably you shouldn't verify, but I really want it. I know like, that's what it comes down to. Like there's so many more people that you should verify before me. So maybe by even submitting it, I'm doing something bad. But I have to be honest. Oh, Kobe Ashimaru, you sound like my you sound like my daughter where she finds something in a catalog. She sees it for the first time and she goes, "Oh, Daddy, I've wanted this for so long." It's like you just saw this. You just got the catalog today. 2007, you... man. I've this long enough. I've wanted to check. Just out. and so you don't want to be too oh. cute, and you don't want to be like you don't want to come off as unkind, but you also don't want to be too cheeky. But you also want to increase your chances of it happening. Thing. Yeah, and the worst thing is, I could have got the verified check mark years ago when they were going on their little uh, their campaign where they went to every possible publication and say, "Hey, you're a semi popular online publication. Uh, you Do you want to give check marks to all the people who work for you?" And I could have gotten a check mark as part of Ars Technica, but if I did, it would have been as an Ars Technica employee. I would have had to use my Ars Technica email, and I'm like, "Well, that's not. I want to be verified on my own." Like, right, you know it's I mean? like all the people at National Public Radio where it's like Steve Inskeep is like NPR Steve. It's like, ugh, gross. I don't want the name of my job and my Twitter handle. Yuck. Yeah, or, and then like it's not even my job. Like I never, never was a full-time worker for Ars Technica. I was just a freelancer for them. Not that I didn't want to be associated with them, but I want I want my own identity. It's not, you know, it's not ours, John. It's not, you know, like my, my handle is not just for ours. My handle is me. So I, I turned down that verification. I said, no, no thanks. Give it to the people who actually work for ours full-time. I don't want it because... There was the whole deal was like, you can get it for ours, but then you have to use your ours email, which I still have, by the way, and still works. But it's like, if you ever yeah. change your email, you lose the check mark. So like, no, I, I have my own. So what are you going to, what are you going to put? You got to, you got to, you got to put something. I mean, I got to put something that I, I got to put stuff there that says like, why should people, why should I be verified? And it's got to be like things that I am known for. So I guess I have to put stuff about podcasts. Like I like, yeah, I can't, I feel like I can't rest on my pastorals. Like, Oh, a long time. I wrote OS 10 reviews 15 years and a lot of people read them. Like that's true. And I think that's part of the reason that I have any claim to being verified, but 
I can't put that in there. That just sounds bad. The only thing I currently do is podcasts. Is that enough? I don't know. Yeah. I, I have a podcast where I whine about not being verified. Does that count for something? That's got to count for something. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, maybe I just won't fill this out. The biofield will have defeated me. Yeah. Well, you got to put something. It's worth it. Do it. I like having an empty bio. I like that. I like that when you go to my page, it doesn't say anything about me. I I realize why you do that. You're supposed to say, fill up every single character of that with like what, what particular kind of SEO expert you are or something like that. So that when you appear in searches or people decide whether to follow, you go, ooh, that sounds really impressive. Oh, yeah. I'm, no, I don't. I under, totally understand why they want everyone who's verified to have a bio. I totally yeah. get that. Because they're going to like, you're verified as who? Who are you exactly? Or you're verified as why? Like, you know, who, why, why should I care? I'm surprised you can change yours because it should, like, should undo your check mark when you changed it to be like, you know, president of the United States, Merlin Mann, like after they verify you. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's an interesting point. Oh, gosh. A future where that exists would make me so sad. Oh, that's that, so that, gross. My understanding was that if I did the R's checkmark, I could I it, I would have lost checkmark if I ever changed my email address. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something ugly about me. Here's something ugly about me. I wish you had to pick a name and stick with it. I don't care if it's a fake name. Says Mr. Merlin Man slash Hot Dogs Ladies. It's always been Hot Dogs Ladies. No, you had at Merlin Man for a while. No, I had I had at Merlin Man like before it was out. I had at Merlin Man when it was a when it was four oh four oh four. Yeah, I so had to, you, you I had to beg name. it back. No, no, that's after I begged them to delete the account because I couldn't stand for another second to be on SMS-based Twitter. <sighs> yeah. Don't you brag to me about how long you've been on Twitter. No, well, I like I was intentionally ignoring it before it was cool. Oh, no, good for you. That's the right thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like when, I, when, when, like, when, when Gruber and everybody were all getting into it, I'm like, this looks stupid. I'm not doing this. And I held out until like January 2007. You did the right thing. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting Hover.com. Here's the thing. When you have a great idea for your hot new project, you got to give it your own great domain name. If it's worth doing, it is worth doing with your own special name that you choose. And with Hover, finding that perfect domain name is just ridiculously easy to do. So many great features. With Hover, you have access to over 400 domain extensions. You can get yourself a .pizza dot ninja or a dot horse they have great support including a phone line where a real actual sentient human being will pick up the phone i'm gonna tell you my favorite thing about hover they treat you like an adult when all you want to do is buy a domain name or an email address you shouldn't have to opt out of page after page of add-ons that you don't want or need it's like trying to run down a hallway and being attacked by a bunch of frat boys with a sock full of pennies that's no way to live this is why hover only offers domains and email so you can focus on finding a great domain name and then getting right back to work. Uh, Hover also doesn't think that you should have to pay for things that should already be included with your domain, looking at you other guys. So unlike most other domain providers, Hover includes free Whois privacy with all of the supported domains. That means your information stays confidential. You pay nothing as it should be. So listen, please, find the perfect domain name for your idea. You go to Hover.com, have a look around. And as a special for Reconcilable Differences listeners, you can use the promo code PERMISO, PERMISO, P-E-R-M-I-S-O, at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase and support the ancient bird. Our thanks to Hover for taking the pain out of domain management and for supporting Reconcilable Differences. 
We have some uh, quick follow-up for this episode. Can we uh, proceed with a little bit of follow-up? Didn't know we had follow-up. Now you're messing with the what are you, what, Who are you, Marco? Don't you look at the document? Oh, I was lo- I was looking at this stupid Twitter forum. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry, Battling John. The Twitter forums. I didn't see. The do you want to do this, this another time? You should really. You should concentrate on that. Uh, that's this happens sometimes where I just like I want to do just one more thing before the podcast starts, but then the podcast starts. I totally understand if you want to reschedule. You, you need to get this settled. No, I've already talked myself out of it mostly. So let's just let's just continue. You t- take a break, but I think you should do it. Uh, follow up from listener Matthew. Uh, listener Matthew has heard how much I enjoy uh, theoretically tormenting you with emojis in um, the Google Doc, uh, but just in general, he has a new app called Rocket. Have you looked at Rocket yet? I have not. Have you heard about Rocket? No, I'm clicking on the link now. He's clicking. He's clicking. So you know, it's a young app. It needs some work. It needs, uh, you need to change the name of the app in the Apple menu. No big deal. you got to go fix that in the app menu. Um, preferences uh, should get a key command. Anyway, uh, I'm sure he's going to work on it more, but right now it is an app that lets you do Slack-style emojis wherever you are in place. So, oh, I think, I've, I, think I have heard of this. It's this neat. It's a, neat, yeah. You look at this download for macOS, and I always wonder, does that mean it's Sierra only, or are people just like... I thought the same thing. I preemptively know. adopting the name. I feel like it's not... No, no, I, I thought the same thing. No, but it works. I'm on whatever the latest one is. Uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really cool. So uh, I, I've come to really like the Slack-style emoji thing. Uh, I used to use the picker, and now I'm all about the uh, colons. And you can put your own in. So, uh, so I, got, uh, I, got, you know, I got Ron Swanson in there now. All right, then. I wanted to mention that because thank you to listener Matthew for being a listener of the program. I know this was not made for me. But I'm already using it and enjoying it. As you can see in this document, I have put in fireworks and a rocket, some claps, and a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to thank listener, I want to say Marina, probably. Say Marina or Marina, what do you say? <laughs> Marina? What the hell is that? A That's Marina. my next door neighbor. Don't be unkind. I have a Marina in my midst. Oh, you don't. Oh, I'm so angry. <sighs> it's like you had to literally beg somebody to call you Marina. <laughs> That's pronounced Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Ja, no, 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 Jennifer. <laughs> Listener Marina. I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that, but on Twitter, everything is text. <laughs> uh, why am I not writing all these down? Um, Listener Marina was kind enough. Uh, I guess she is a, uh, she has, uh, at some point, she's had her tongue in, in Russian. I don't know if it's her primary tongue, uh, but she was kind enough to send us uh, a reading of the first line from uh, Anna. Do you say Karina? Is it the first line? That shows I've never read this book. I don't even know. Is that the first line? I, what, what? The one about uh, unhappy people or yeah, exactly, uh, diddly diddly? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. the first line of the book. Pff, I don't know. Obviously, I've never read the first line even. Marina read us the first line from Anna Karinina, and uh, and that is in, uh, in show notes. You can go and listen. Thank you, Marina, very much. And anybody who says that your Russian accent is, isn't right can answer to me. Yeah, we're, we're the judge of that. <laughs> i got a blue check. Motherfucker. <laughs> Here's the best thing. Like, So when she tweeted that, I'm like, all right. I know this person from Twitter. Yeah, she's around. She's a nice person. Yeah. And I'm going to give this a, I, I'm assuming, I assume I know what they're saying here, but honestly, they could be calling me a big duty head in Russian, and I'd be a reply like, that's awesome, because uh, I don't understand what you're saying, because <laughs> I don't understand Russian. <laughs> so I'm very briefly considered, before I reply to this in a positive way, maybe I should <laughs> like paste this audio into the internet somewhere where it tells me what she's actually saying, but like, no, she's got to be saying the line. So again, I, I think neither one of us did that, but we both assume. That's mm. the line, right? Thanks for making it weird. Poopy pants, no. poopy pants. D- different podcast. Different podcast. You, uh, you're not going to talk about the uh, popcorn trick, are you? Nope. 
No, you covered it. I mentioned this in some text to you earlier. I could really use your help. I think I made a very effective case against the plausibility of the popcorn trick. And, but as an engineer, somebody like you who's you've studied structural things, it seems to me you could you could you could put a lot of uh, spice on the enchilada by coming in and helping me explain why or why not the popcorn trick is a plausible thing. I think you did a pretty good job. Like the only the only wrinkle was Roderick volunteering to demonstrate it and you passing on that. I didn't. I couldn't actually see it. I know, but just I know. I kind of wish I'd done it. I kind of wish I'd done it. Yes. But I just think it's not plausible. I don't think there's any way. There's too many different things going on that would look extremely. You know what? I, okay, so here's the only thing: is I didn't what I didn't account for. You ready? Dolphin shorts. But that still does not account for how you get a yeah. penknife and cut a hole in the popcorn you didn't, thing. You didn't account for a good cop wet blanket either. <laughs> Sexual assault. That's what they call that. It's a funny uh, story. Let's just talk about it in a hilarious was, way. Was that not... Oh, come on. Was it not clear that I thought that was a horrible idea? Not as clear as it could have been. Oh, especially Jiminy since the context Christmas. in which that that was introduced is the sort of the 80s atmosphere where that type of thing was like nudge, nudge, wink, wink in a movie. It's all okay. Right, guys? Right, guys? Like, that's the context. This is like... It's not in a vacuum where 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 it can be assumed that this yeah. is so absurd that like that we're all in on the joke. No, that's not where this came from. This came from a it was time. not a vacuum. It was in diner. It was uh, Mickey Rourke. We were not all in on the joke. But we were all in agreement that this is such a hilarious, funny thing to do that it's like good-hearted fun to put in a movie. That's where this comes from. Yeah. So that's is horrifying. I stand. I stand corrected. I thought it would be clear from my remarks. I think it's horrible. Yes. Yes. I think it's a terrible idea. But most importantly, I don't think it's plausible. That was the thrust, if you like. Yes, no, I, I, I'm on the same page as you on all of that. I just feel like... No, no, actually, I'm just, I'm, I'm quietly bummed that I never got to pull it off. Give me a break. <laughs> no, no, that's not, what it, that's not what it's about. It's just entirely, like, oh again, God. context. Like, where, you want to call me wet blanket, all you can. It's like, that's, that's what I think about when you hear that. It's like, that, the overarching thing that comes to mind when I think about it is how that used to be acceptable. Like, how it was, like, okay with everybody. Right, there, there was no even thought given to any other aspect of it. Right? Uh, okay, if you want to get into it, just briefly, I totally agree. But I think there's a million things that are a thousand times worse. Yeah, the kind true. of just the kind of just like subtle, like now having a, having an almost nine year old girl, like the way that you would just snap a girl's bra strap was just a thing that people did. And that is just I think about that now, and it's like, oh, that's just silly kid fun. And it's like, ah, that wasn't even. Uh, interesting enough to put in a movie you had to ramp that's where this stuff comes from in the movie i'm sure some scriptwriters like this is just the the amped up version of that like how how can we more egregiously transgress in a hilarious way right <laughs> you know so yeah. that's why and that's i mean if you want to add more support you are going to be like look no one has ever done this because it's just the invention of a scriptwriter trying to give the cranked up version of the of mm. the mild sexual assault that goes on i was looking for an engineer but yeah, and engineering wise, if you take the girl out of the equation and just say it's it's a man alone with his popcorn, right? <laughs> it's just, but you know, right? it's the it's the yeah, there's no aspect of that that you could do without somebody saying, "Hey, <laughs> why did you take out your penis and put it in our popcorn?" I can't believe I have to say that I think this is a bad idea. Uh, it's just that there's no way there's too many moving parts for that to work. <laughs> oh, I'm. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I don't give it. I don't give it a lot of thought. Mostly because like it's so clearly uh, an invention. Anybody who did it only did it because they saw it in a movie, and I think they learned. Oh, as, as you discussed yeah. in your yeah. not not swim fan. I always get that confused because swim fan was a movie, right? Wasn't swim fan the name of a movie? Wasn't it like a creepy stalker movie? Right. So, but what is the what is the website? 
Hey, sex underwater. Anyone try it? What is that website? Oh, 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 Aquafans. Aquafan. I guess something like that. Is that? Wait, is this a bit? <laughs> you know what it is. It's a flop house joke, right? Yes. Yes. Aqua, was, was it Aquafan? Or- Aquafan. Yeah, something like that. I for, was, you know what? The, I had to tell you, I can't believe that did not occur to me. I forgot about Aquafan. Yeah, if that's the name. I, I, again, I always get it mixed well, up. I think these, didn't Dan search for Aquaman on Blogspot and he found <laughs> Aquafan? Like, yes, and it was a website about having sex underwater, and the only <laughs> thing on it was a comment from one person going, so, sex underwater. Anybody try it? And you, on the most, by the way, we're talking about is a recent episode of Roderick Online. You were there to say, yes, I have tried it, and it's really hard and not worth it. That was that's my summary of your... What do you think of it? I'm not going to discuss my sex life on a podcast, but I feel like you... You are such a horn dog. You and you are, you are covered, dying covered to tell. You're dying well. to say why it is you love the beach so much, and now I know why. <laughs> I love the beach. I love, I love the from here to eternity analysis of like, does that count as underwater? What it's about not the, underwater. Oh, it's, like, it's in an eddy. Here's a, so again, to give a quick summary to listeners on, on this other podcast that we're yeah. referring to, and we will link in the show notes, there was discussion about having sex underwater, and, and John Roderick, who's the other person on that show, said like, well, what about the here to eternity thing, that, that old movie where they're in the surf, lying down in the surf, just kind of kissing, and then the camera pans away? And what John said was like, you're not really underwater, but as the water as the tide comes in, you can move your way up on the beach. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm listening to this. Okay. <laughs> That's a, that a euphemism. <laughs> as the tide comes up, exactly what kind of tantric, crazy ass, the phases of the moon influence where I have sex position type of thing are you doing? <laughs> where, like, how long is John Roderick doing anything on the beach that the tide is an issue? Like, I just feel like that was a uh, allowed to pass without comment ridiculous <laughs> boast about how long lasting he is uh oh see i think he just missed well i thought he had just mi- misspoken uh when he, when he meant to just be saying there was like little waves coming in you're you're seeing it could have been he like, said the tide i'm like all right all right oh, okay let's 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 take it easy. little there been but, enough change that the, the the position of the moon yeah, I feel like now, we to, we yeah. to, now we have to start calling the ex-girlfriends. You'd be like, the tide, really? What do you think? And they're like, yeah, egg timer. <laughs> yeah, luckily none of them are on the internet. Thank you very much to uh, uh, listener Marina up for uh, Anna Karina. Hmm. We want to also um, remind listeners, I, I hope you agree, we want to remind listeners to go and watch Millennium Actress, which we will talk about, I'm guessing, probably next time. I'm going to remind you to watch it. <sighs> I can't believe you do this all the time. You're yeah. reminding people like, oh, this is going to be so far in the future. By then, I will. I don't think you listened. It. I don't think you listen to podcasts. I don't think you understand how this works. I understand the, the call. Can you link, please link the uh, the taped call in show thing that we referred to last time? Because I think people don't know what that is. Oh, the we thing were, I put in show notes last week. Did you put it in the last week? Jesus nice. Christ! Why don't I really read my own hey, everybody, show notes? welcome back. Buy a drink for the good cop. <laughs> Anyway, that's being the bad cop if I didn't look at the around show notes. Anyway, yes, I understand this is going to be in the future, but the idea that I'm getting a reminder to me to watch Millennium Actress. Don't if you're a listener, don't listen to that. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be in the. uh, We're not going to talk about free will this week, are we? No. Did you move it down? I moved it down. I moved it up. (laughs) And then you moved it down. Yeah. No, I don't. That's uh, yeah. We'll save that. It's it's coming. We'll get to it. So I'll remember. To do that, just, okay, finally, fourth, and finally, just in passing, you got, uh, well, actually, would you like to describe or clarify whether uh, anime is a genre, a medium, both, neither, or something else? Did I? I th- maybe I'm behind one. I don't remember hearing myself say that. I do know that on 
at least one podcast and probably multiple podcasts. You've gone podcasts. out of your way to say I that it's not that. I specifically said the opposite. <laughs> that's what drove me crazy. I don't expect people to listen to every podcast I'm on, but that's why I'm suspicious of whether I actually said what I'm, uh, what people are claiming that I said that anime was a genre and not a medium. But if I did say it, I misspoke, which happens all the time. Well, because... let's let's take it and turn it and let's make it something positive. John, tell me a little bit, just in brief, about anime and uh, ways to think about its place in the pantheon of genres, uh, media, and uh, otherwise. It's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a style, right? No. So the general point is, as we made with like computer animation, like the, the the medium, like the the fact that you are making moving pictures by doing a bunch of drawings, or that you are making moving pictures by doing a bunch of three D models and then rendering them frame after frame, or you know whatever. That those are different mediums, and they don't dictate any kind of storytelling style or the stories that you can tell with them, or the length of those stories, or anything like that. So many people. Uh, can only think of the prototypical examples. For example, computer animation, that must mean kids' things. Or like you were saying, uh, anime, a lot of people think of uh, squeaky little cute animals with giant eyes or Japanese schoolgirls or whatever other uh, cliches or genres of of anime you might think of. But anime is not a genre. Anime is a medium. You can do tell any story in anime or something that's even non-narrative because anime is just a catch-all term for Japanese animation made after world war ii ish i don't know go to the wikipedia page look up the definition but it does not dictate a particular genre which is why people might be surprised by millennium actress because it doesn't feature any of the things people typically associate with anime well at least we can all agree that uh comics are a genre thank you i think that's all i got for uh for follow oh yeah also todd liked the last episode that's good huh he went out of his way to say so he said he said he said i believe he said it should go in the time capsule yeah, but I don't like that he wants it to be buried and, and isolated and kept away from humanity for a really long time. <laughs> I don't know. You think he's he's just soaping us up to say basically, you know, be, save the rest of the world from having to put up oh, with He this. wants it to be in, uh, what was that, Yucca Mountain? Yucca Mountain? I don't know. The, the place oh, where you... I- Iron Mountain? The one in uh, Mr. Robot? No, the place where they wanted to store all the, the nuclear waste. And for like years and years, they've been they've been trying to store it underneath this giant mountain, and all the people live around there. Are like, no thanks. Oh, God, I uh, back when I had my job working uh, in defense for tort litigations. Oh, brother! So many of the cases we got were just completely baseless. Basically, the cases would never get to us unless they were baseless. If there was any, I've probably told you this before, but back in that job, if there, this is the job with Dave, the marketing guy, if there was any basis at all to this person's claim boom check fedex done sorry sign form but if it was absolutely like you've got to be kidding me kind of stuff that's the stuff that we got and that's what made me sort of hardened about things like multiple chemical sensitivity email john but uh, i do remember one case we worked on a one of the features of it was basically it was a now kind of famous place in colorado where they were keeping i think depleted nuclear materials in a dump in cardboard boxes I remember hearing that, and I was like, this is like something out of The Simpsons. You know, like Monty Burns with his 55-gallon glowing drums. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? What, what life was like, like, in the 70s, like, what they would do. Cleveland had a river that was on fire. It's mm-hmm. just, it's mind-boggling to think about that to me. Yeah, and this, this all this radioactive stuff, it's, it's bad news. And so, like, that's what they're trying to do, is make it as far away from people's backyards as possible. Yuck, is it Yucca? Did you say Yucca Mountain? I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, yeah. Um, and to try to uh, to get it in a geologically stable area. They can last for tens of thousands of years. and it's But it's just after all those things that you described and all yeah. like the, the history of efforts of both private business and government 
to dispose of potentially hazardous materials, you can understand why people might have little faith in oh, bo- yeah. both the both the intentions <laughs> and the competence uh, of the people involved. It's like because we just not like we're not really good at planning that far ahead, and the chances of them getting it right are slim, and the consequences of getting it even a little bit long wrong are really really terrible. Well, I mean, there's just, a reason we couldn't keep lead out of the water for crying out loud. And where is that Detroit? Like, right? You, you can't really blame people for. Uh, for being skeptical in any way, that's why we have no place to put this stuff, and it's it's somewhere. Like it's not like it's invisible now. Uh, they're just looking for a long term centralized place to put it, and they so far can't find one, probably for good reason. Um, although I do, I also, by the way, like the idea that your old job was one in which you went and uh, applied the formula, which is uh, how much would it cost to fight this lawsuit versus how much was is the average settlement right out of Fight Club. You know. Uh, oh. You know, actually, it was it was a pretty similar job. That might have been me. No spoilers. So sorry. Spoiler alert, Mike. Um, that might have been me. <laughs> you know, he probably hasn't seen that movie either. Anyway, this is not a spoiler. But the person's job in the movie is in- insurance adjuster. Yeah. He can skip it. It's really, 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 really overrated. Is it insurance adjuster? He, anyway, he was he was there just to, to figure out. It's an actu- he's an actuarial, right? Something. Doesn't like he try to? Or no, is he actually like an insurance? He figures out what to pay for people who got injured like yeah or whether whether they should be paid at all like what is what is the right. average settlement versus what it would it cost that's to spooky john that never occurred to me i didn't see myself in that it's, now your i life, do your life is oh right my goodness what a screen. good movie what a good really you know the things there's so many layers to that movie it really makes you think a lot of people don't you don't know if you know this john a lot of people don't understand that movie I know. They, they take that movie at face value and they understand it's, it's a commentary on them it's, right. it's, a, it's a thing they don't understand that's right and then some other people don't understand that those people don't understand it's a good movie uh, I'm trying to find. Remember those drawings? I don't know if this is ever actually a thing. Remember the the notion that how do we how do we create basically? So there's an area where there's going to be a bunch of nuclear waste, and you can't be here for ten thousand years. How would we create signage for that that could last for? Yep. Do you remember that it was all spiky? What, what what was that? I looked up nuclear site warning, and I can't find it. Yeah, I I remember it. Oh, there that. it is. There it is. Yes, 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 yes. It reminds me of the. Uh the plaques that they put on the space probes, you know, all that stuff like Voyager 1, 2, and all the other ones. The things that left the solar system, they always have some, like... Oh, with that cryptic... I could never understand what that thing meant. <laughs> yeah, and it always seems like they overthink it, right? And the same same thing with this of, like... For, for to, proportion, here's a man, and here's a Chuck Berry song, and here's the galaxy, and you're like, what? What they were trying to do, it's almost, it's almost as if, like, the movie Contact got it better, and that they were trying to communicate with the language of science, and so they're like, we need some kind of unit of measurement and they did the obvious thing which was show the outline of human beings next to the, a shape that looks like the space probe itself to be like look i don't know what the hell unit of measurements you use but you got the space probe and so this is how big we are compared to the space probe <laughs> apparently they want us to get near the ship and this robe right and you know well whatever you don't need that close and like whether they whether any alien could even see that these lines are different than the background like you know whatever spectrum that they're looking at this it would just seem like a featureless plate or you know like, there's so many questions but anyway what they went with was like they're trying to say like they're trying to represent a hydrogen atom right and to be like when the hydrogen that some things inside the hydrogen atom change state something is emitted and this is the wavelength and that's our unit of measurement it looks it's like, like boobs boy there's like seven assumptions before you get to the, the point where we're trying to express this and then everything else in the thing is done in terms of that unit of measurement and it's like this is very clever yeah. but it's also like something from a video game where it's like if they don't get your first if they don't get that those are hydrogen atoms, if they don't get that they're changing state, and if they don't get that this is this thing that's emitted, like they, you could show it to Earth scientists who, who would look at it and be like, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to say there. Whereas, if you had done something simpler, like 
you know, just showed them a numbering system and just like one dot, two dots, three dots. Then you have the problem of like, can they even identify the dots? What distinguishes the fact that they're dots? What if they don't see visible light at all? Like these dots have to be yeah, if they're yeah. physically etched into the thing. If they're physically etched, maybe they see service features that have nothing to do, that are in a different spectrum. And as far as they're concerned, those dots are far overwhelmed by some other kind of radiation that's coming off the thing that they sense or like they hear. You know, it's just so many questions anyway for for the stay away from this place because it's got radioactive stuff that's going to kill you mm-hmm. at least then you're communicating with future humans right so you've got a, something to base it on it's like well humans are going to be different in tens of thousands of years but probably going to still see visible light uh mm-hmm. probably still not going to want to die horribly i love your point though because that, that does key right into my whole obsession about the aliens is just the idea that if we take, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, but if you take away this idea that they have to look like spacemen with helmets, it just doubtless there's other things out there. It's just that the biggest constraint is our imagination and like what that thing could be. <laughs> We're sitting here acting like it is going to be somebody. It's going to be like you know Marvin the Martian that's going to be looking at this Pioneer plaque. It's in show notes. 1973 Pioneer 11 spacecraft. Yeah, they also put like the record on there with the little record player. Yeah, it's kind of like doesn't it have like Chuck Berry on it? Yeah, but like the whole the idea that it was a record, like it would have been great if it was like we're going to put a cassette tape or a VM was a gold plated <laughs> aluminum, right? But it's just right. like the, the format wars have been sent out of the solar system. It's like, well, this LPs were a thing, and we made these groove. They and it comes with a player too, like a little thing. Like here, they show them they're trying to put instructions, like put this in the groove and and turn it at this rate. Again, the rate is specified in terms of these units. <laughs> that, of like, that already sounds like a puzzle. Yeah, but it's like, how do you know they can hear anything? I mean, right. like, it's just, it doesn't, anyway, it's it's a difficult problem. The, the other thing they're showing with the little line, the dot with the lines coming out of it is trying to show distances to pulsars, but the pulsars, like, frequency or, like, the, the pulsing frequency shown in terms of these little hash marks and stuff with, like, a different code at the end of it to say which direction, because it's, it's a two-dimensional thing, but they want to show the lines as, like, 3D, and they're like, well... They can triangulate from all these different pulsars to find out where we were and also how long ago this was sent based on the decay of the pulsar rate. And it's like they could do all that. But there's, again, a lot of assumptions before they figure out what the hell we're trying to communicate with this diagram. And again, if if Earth scientists can look at this and not figure it out, the hopes of alien life are I mean, I guess they would just spend a long time trying to figure it out uh, if, if they're highly motivated. But I don't know. It's it's a tough problem. Um, yeah. But I think I think the less tough problem is. uh the sign for don't go here because there's radioactive material that will kill you. Uh, and a lot of people gave it all sorts of interesting tries. I forget which one they settled on, but look in the look in Skype. The, there was yeah, the no, one. I, I remember the thing of the spiky landscape, look like thorns. Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't what, that was just one of the the artist's conceptions. I think the yeah, thing that they, yeah. they were trying to sell, like good old like skull and crossbones. Like that's that there's cultural baggage to that. But if you show a skull, people know what's inside their head. And they don't want to see that part because that means you're dead. And it's a pretty good symbol. <laughs> like the, the the age old thing of like hang a bunch of skeletons and dead bodies around stuff that is supposed to be scary. Like you can't express perfectly like, you know, you don't understand. Like not only there's not something like here that will kill you. It will kill you really badly. You, you won't know until it's too late. And it's going to be dangerous for a really long time. And any sort of skull that we put there is going to turn to dust. So we need something some way to communicate this but i feel like this is more like one of those intellectual exercises because unless we reset civilization with the whole mad max style who killed the world type thing uh we could just use the old system which is like we tell people before we die and then they tell people before they die and they'll see people before they die it's a pretty good system as long as things keep going um again if everybody gets wiped off the planet and everyone we do a big reset 
then yeah, it would be great to have some kind of sign to warn those people about. But you know, if everyone gets wiped out by the time people end up back at the place where all the radioactive stuff is, there'll be enough people that we can sacrifice those people to be like, oh, they figured out if you go there, you die. Because that's how we figured out everything about the planet, by people going yeah, there and not dying. Just selection. Like, yeah, don't don't go there because then you die. And uh, then I, like, I just oh. sent you a bananas link on energy.gov, which is all about this very topic and all the different ways they try to address it. Yep, so, this is the place, yeah. This so is the words. This is not a place of honor. This, this is, is not a place of honor. <laughs> no, yeah. highly, no highly esteemed deed is commemorated here. Yeah, I mean, like, again, with the thing is like, oh, they're not going to understand the English. Like, if you're worried about tens of thousands of years and, and civilization could have been reset, because if you're not worried about civilization reset, again, we'll just tell each other before we die. That's how we convey information down the generations. You're only putting this here because you're like, well, if that system stops working, first, A, we have bigger problems, and B, if we do, the odds of people being able to read this English thing are slim. And so they, they have all these sorts of drawings and ideas about keeping it away and the spike field and, like, anything, I feel like, visually, is just too much cultural baggage. Like, yeah. spikes could be awesome in the in the Planet of the Apes that rises after all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, spikes, that's, that's great. Like, you would think it's foreboding and scary, but culturally, it could be like putting domes on it. You know, like, oh, domes, those are great. Well, I mean, if, if nothing else, if there's anything that is too much of a pattern to almost any species, a pattern of any kind is either going to look like like ordered, something ordered, like, like think about the way vegetation grows, where you go, oh, maybe that's food, in, in, like to an alien person. Mm-hmm. Well, not alien, but you know what I mean, too. If there's this, there are patterns to be found in nature, n- naturally, and then there are patterns to be found in civilization, is the other thing. You go like, hey, like this did not happen naturally. You think this happens naturally, maybe there's apples here. <laughs> or you look at it and go, hmm, clearly there must be some pretty smart cookies because they can make these things that go 40 feet in the air. Yeah, and people, like, people are curious. Like, we're whatever whatever creatures come to rule the earth after we're gone and we want to warn about this, who don't understand our language or whatever, again, if they end up spreading to the point where they have reached wherever whatever remote area we put this in, it's probably because they're curious and want to figure out what stuff is. And guess what? They're going to check it out, and a bunch of them are going to die, and that's how they're going to learn that this is a bad place. Yeah, you could, you could run a Winterfell, you know, put a couple bodies out there. Anyway, it's a, it's a fun idea, fun idea to mess with, and uh, like it's kind of like that uh, the long now. You know what the long now? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. They're trying to make the big clock that runs for a long time. Those exercises are all fun, but it's also kind of hopeless in that when you really start to think about it, you're like every single one of my assumptions is potentially wrong. So you just throw up your hands at a certain. Well, point. but you know, I wish I had not. At the times when I was thinking about how much money to save for things, I wish I hadn't thought 40 years was as long as it felt like. At one time, that felt just as ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope that somebody is out there thinking about what 10,000 years means. Yeah. Good, good cop. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a good thing. Someone should be doing that. The same thing with, like, the, you know, how many people do we have working on uh, watching for asteroids that, we're gonna, that are going to kill us all so we can send oh. Bruce Willis out to, to save us? Well, we have, you know, we have limited resources. You can report an asteroid, but, you know, we only really have so many people on staff <laughs> that could address them. That's a verified asteroid. We can't throw him off. No, verified people are the only people you can throw off because they can't claim that they didn't <laughs> post what they posted. But my account was hacked. <laughs> um, we talked a few weeks ago. I had, I had basically brought up this, this crazy idea of, like, how does John think about the future? How do we think about the future? What was a unique characteristic of that show? Um, I was most interested in, and it was kind of, once again, a follow-up to you talking about 
uh, being a kid and saying like, oh my gosh, I have this amazing computer. All these things are happening. I'm reading magazines. I'm learning the parameters of the world and sort of addressing your frustration at realizing what kind of things were maybe possible to happen, what things were likely to happen, and what things were probably never going to happen in your lifetime. So without being like a douchey futurist, it strikes me that you are somebody who does think a lot about the significance, what this event or this development now can mean five or six hops from now. So I don't know if that's a, a good way to put it, but that's how I think about it. It's just how does John think about the future? And we had so much to talk about. We easily filled the time we had, and we still have lots of Oz and Sods topics uh, to talk about. Including one, you got one here at the top that I would be more than happy to hear about, because next to free will, I think this is our second biggest unaddressed topic. We did kind of address it in the in, in the fun running gag that you and uh, John Roderick have uh, about this. Although, wait, no, that wasn't. We didn't that's the great. That's the great unreleased episode. All right, all right. Um, yeah. So the the gag is on this unreleased podcast. I was uh, complaining about how you two. Uh, discuss evolution. Not that you specifically are guilty of this, but this is a, a general trend that annoys me. We definitely me. use and it. We definitely use it carelessly in in lieu of saying progress. Uh, no, you still don't understand my objection, which just makes it all the more funny when you try to like make jokes about it. But you're making jokes about the wrong thing. But anyway, no, I know it drives you nuts. No, no, I think it's uh, it, it. It should drive you nuts. But anyway, it should I, drive you nuts. Half the people, half the people don't get the joke because it's an unreleased podcast, and the one person who would get it realizes you're joking about the wrong thing. Anyway, it's a difficult thing for me to explain. If I had expressed it more clearly, it's my fault. If I expressed it more clearly, you would have understand what I was complaining about. All but right, listen. Here's the thing, good cop. The, the you, joke you, you try to explain it back to me because you. Well, heard no, the it joke inside the joke inside the joke is that you will frequently. In the same way you tease at talking about free will, you on on many of your different shows, you tease at what's clearly like something that you think about a lot and is very interesting to you. And it is actually related to free will, which is this idea of, uh, what's the, what's the correct phrase for it? Um, evolutionary biology, right? So like how much, uh, how much of what we do has some unconscious basis in evolutionary biology? And is there even a way we could know which kinds of things we do and don't have choices about is one angle, I thought. It just I want you to have the chance to talk about it right, wrong, in your way, because you keep it's clearly something you're very interested in. You keep teasing at the topic, and I thought this would be a good venue for you to like flesh out what it is you're really talking about. All right. Well, so if you want to, I will briefly say that the thing that annoys me because it ties into this a little bit is the idea that uh, the idea of personifying evolution. Um, and I think I have talked about that. Maybe maybe just on that one unreleased podcast. We definitely uh, talked about it on the unreleased podcast. But yeah, I, don't, like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So the, like the idea, and this this will come up in free will as well. But like that, we model everything uh, based on our experience of the world. As human beings, we have experience of like what what is it like to be a person in the world, and everything outside in the world can most easily be understood. As if everything outside us works like we do. Uh, and that even comes up just sort of like reflexively, like not in a serious way, but just like that's the way we talk about everything, especially when you're talking about a way you want people to relate to it. When even scientists talk about evolution, it's very easy to slip into the language that makes evolution a, a proper noun, like an actor, like uh, as in, as in, this was caused by evolution. Yes, or evolution wants to make this happen, or even just the individual creature. This creature evolved to do this thing, as if there is an intent, as if there is a purpose and an intent, and an actor working towards a goal, and the goal may be self-evident or, or 
uh you know like that th- everything is motivated in the same way that we feel like we're motivated to do things right and and again i don't think scientists actually believe this about evolution but when you talk about it it's so it's so hard not to fall into that trap because that's how that's how we relate to everything that's how, certainly how we relate to even when people talk about physical forces they do it but with evolution it's particularly insidious because people talk about physical forces like oh the you know the the object has momentum it doesn't want to slow down no one is confused like wait so the object doesn't want to slow down it's like well we you know in physics everything's fine run into trouble in evolution because the competing ideas do have human-like actors with motivations right and so evolution is sitting there right alongside them and so when you slip into that language for evolution it's like oh well so we have these various theories about how the universe works the way it does and we have this theory and the only difference is that instead of uh, you know whatever uh religious or mystical explanation you have you have this thing called evolution but it's exactly the same it's just a different proper noun uh and that's where get into trouble where people are just loose with the language about it which is like you know whatever you have to just say it in a way that people can understand what you're talking about up to the point where i think a lot of lay people just slot it right in next to everything else that evolution is no different than uh you know shinto uh or uh you know typical western religions as an explanation for things it's just that there's this other actor that is more boring and doesn't have a beard (laughs) and doesn't live (laughs) in the sky and that is the only difference um and that's not the fault of the scientists in their loose language it's just a a communication gap but it's a thing that annoys me so in evolutionary biology the same type of stuff comes up it's it's i found very difficult to communicate the idea even just the evolutionary is just like one possible idea like it's not the explanation for anything but it's very easy to become up with uh biological and you know evolutionary biology explanations for everything which obviously you know there's the counter i was like oh you can't explain everything with that that's just it's stupid right so it's overused but it's an easy way to explain things but when you do it like that people hear the other explanation of biology and they think well you're just giving me the same idea with a different proper noun and it doesn't help me understand anything. But anyway, if you understand it, if you take it the way it is meant to be taken scientifically, it's a good way to think about things to remove intentionality from uh, events in the world to say, let me, let me think of an example that's non-controversial. This is actually fairly difficult. Um, mm-hmm why do things taste good why do some things taste good to us some things taste bad like why why do most human beings like sweet things right um yeah and so like the the armchair evolutionary biologist in me says well because poison is bitter and sweetness is breast milk breast milk is health poison is death or even just like higher calories foods tend to like why do higher calorie foods taste better to us um right because if it, you know, for, for all the different random mutations where higher calorie foods tasted worse, that's a bad survival characteristic for whatever, you know, whatever mammals this thing evolved in that are distant, really related to us, right? If you are, you know, it's, again, it's not humans. So I can say early humans. But I don't, like long ago, down our family tree in, the, in biology, there were a bunch of these creatures and you get random mutations. And for some of them, a high calorie food tasted better than for others. Uh, that's a gene that is going to have a higher chance of propagating because if a bunch of animals are starving to death, 
the ones that are slightly more motivated to find the higher calorie food have a slightly higher chance of surviving. That's the simple evolutionary biological explanation for almost everything. It's like, well, did this thing give one of your distant ancestors an ever so slightly higher chance for its genes to be passed on? If so, multiply that by thousands and thousands of years, and voila, you have a planet full of humans, most of whom like sweet-tasting things and, uh, you know, higher calorie foods taste better not universally there's a huge cultural aspect blah 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 nature nurture but like i'm trying to find something that people mostly people can agree on i mean the, the obvious the one that one thing about is like why do human beings like to have sex well the humans who didn't like to have sex were much less likely to pass on their genes because that's how it's done right. mm-hmm. um does every human like to have sex no do they all like to have the same sex no like it's just broadly speaking wanting to have sex is selected for in animals that reproduce by having sex that's that's the most straightforward one but and it's also the most fraught because when most people think about anything having to do with sex or relationships they just imbue it with such import and meaning and and our, our culture our culture has we've grown up in a culture where for whatever reason uh there's so much baggage associated with that that it's it's difficult to talk about it in any way that doesn't seem like some kind of a giggling prank about a movie from the 80s yeah, and it doesn't mean that you all that all that uh, the the romanticism and the poetry and everything is unfounded. Like that's what makes us humans. Like by all means, but most people don't want to think about the aspect. Like, like no one goes down to the foundational assumptions. Like, why am I interested in sex anyway? Like, right. a, a, and the explanation, especially for things like that, is like, well, like so many things, despite the cultural aspects. And the the things that were, you know, the nurture aspect of it and all that angle. Um, when you get down to it, many things that, that, that define the human condition are not part of anything that happened to you during your life or any decision that you made. They're just like, that's how we ended up. The humans that are here now have a certain set of characteristics again not individually not every single one you know it's so hard to talk about this specifically like i know someone who doesn't like to have sex well that's great all right we're, we're talking about as as a massive group uh to understand that there is no intentionality or import or purpose or deeper meaning behind these things they just this is how things ended up and if you you don't want to well, do everything is, isn't like there that. isn't there a way of making this just i mean and tell me if this is just blinkered but one of the things we talked about in the great unreleased episode was how you talk about this in terms of almost like sentence structure where like you can look at there's this creature at one point that we thought of as something close to a fish there's a creature later on that's something like a bird and something happened in between it's difficult to talk about that without ascribing something to this uh, unknown bearded being or however we choose to think about it but it could also couldn't it also be using something like that same strained analogy you know why is it that humans uh, might enjoy jumping in a pool and swimming, but we would never try to dive straight down and build a civilization underwater. Well, because something in us knows that physiologically that's not going to be the best way to roll. Yeah, that's more has to do with, again, thinking of like intentionality of like, why do humans not want to do this? I'm thinking more like... But something in us has taught us that spending a lot of resources trying to build a city underwater is probably not the best uh, use of our resources. No, that's just a brain thing. That's a higher level okay. all right. conceptual thing. Like, and people, some people do want to live underwater because it's a cool thing to do, like all the sci-fi things and stuff like that. But like we, we intellectually, we understand that we I meant, I meant by trying to breathe H2O. Yeah, but that's not how evolution works with, you know, it's not like giraffes next get longer by them trying to reach the branches. And like, that was the competing theory and it was wrong okay i wish i would love for you to talk about that because i think that's a big part of the confusion that was was part of darwin's whole thing is like 
as you as you start to get away from mystical explanations, these the other scientific uh, explanations could be like, well, uh, the, the idea that if you if you alter yourself through your activities or someone else alter you, that, that your children will look like the alteration. So that if you take a dog and shape its ears by wrapping them when it's a puppy uh, and crop its tail, that when it has uh, puppies, that the puppy's tail will be cropped and their ears will be pointy. Like That's not how, <laughs> you know, because we didn't understand, we didn't know the mechanism, we didn't know DNA. Right, like, right. Right? The idea, and the same thing, the idea like, well, the, the, uh, the leaves are up really high, and so these animals really needed to stretch their necks, and they stretched them out so much that when they had kids, their kids had longer necks. And it's, again, with intentionality, like that through effort, by by trying to reach those leaves, they had but like uh, but offspring. like essentially saying that like uh, half a centimeter per gener- per generation, that stretching is what caused the necks to be longer. Apparently. Right, right. As opposed to the other thing, which is like again, you're looking for intentionality, but it's like well. I would make an effort, and I feel like that effort should have an effect in the world. You don't want to think about the idea of like of natural selection or Darwin's theory. Is like no, it's just that the ones with shorter necks had ever so slightly less chance of passing on their genes because it was harder for them to get food, and more of them starved to death, and like you know, like and again, it's not as simple as that. These are the simple silly estimations. So many things are linked together. So many genes are along for the ride on another gene in a nonsensical way. You know, like it's not a straightforward thing in any cases for like every one of these examples like well actually you don't understand that, that gene is tied to this gene which has to do with disease resistance which is the real reason that blah blah you know everything is much complicated but the but you know the the idea that there is no effort on the on part of the beings that that changes their physiology and so g- getting back to humans it's like if you want to get down to it you're like why do i like sex why why is that even there? No one wants to think about that because it's pointless to think about. It. You're like, look, I do, and that's all there is to it, and I don't need to dwell on it too much. Um, but I think especially for situations where people are outside the norm, and either they don't like sex or they like sex with different people, and the idea that we try to, like, demonize that, it's like, as, as if, you know, it gets back to the whole, as if we chose to, to, to be the way we are. It's like, it's such an obvious thing, and yet still for such a portion of the world so difficult to understand like this is not a thing that you choose this is not a thing that you can choose this is not a thing that by your choice you can influence your offspring this is a thing we all share for the most part uh for explicable reasons but when individuals are different than the group they didn't choose it any more than we did uh and it's such a straightforward i mean of all the things that you're going to explain by evolution or biology the fact that uh that you know at least one portion of the species has the urge to have to have sex like and that's another fun one from you know again i'm gonna mess up the biology but like the idea of the people who think the natural of order of things is the men are dominant and like the foundations of sexism right um there are other living creatures where it is reversed where uh you know the, the female eats the head off of the male during copulation uh and the female is much larger than the male um and if that's the way humans were we would have the the opposite situation. We're like, well, the natural water of things is that I should be eating your head off during sex. And we'd be like, we don't like our heads eaten off. It really hurts. And then we die. Please don't do that. And it'll be like, that's just the natural way of things. Right. And so like any sort of natural order of things, as if there is a purpose, as if there is, as if like, this is the way things are, this is the right way for them to be like, (laughs) <laughs> almost like almost like the way you're struggling to get verified by Twitter. It almost feels like you have to go and just fill out the right right set of forms to like move to the next evolutionary step. Yeah, and and like why did uh, you know you can look at things the reason people go with the natural order of things is they're like, "Oh, well, I see 
mostly things that are like me. Therefore, I think that's the way things should be. And it's just the way things turned out. Um, and sometimes, and if we were like those insects that, or fish or whatever that eat the head off their mate, societally speaking, that's something that we would have to deal with at a certain point because it's not really good for society to die right after mating, like at least in terms of how we understand the evolution of, of civilization and progress, that if we wanted to get to the point where we are now, where biologically speaking, it was irresistible for the females to eat the heads off the males during sex, we'd have a, a difficult roadhead, or maybe it would just be like males would become unimportant, and it's just like the only reason males exist is to get to mating age mate, and then we eat their heads off, and that would <laughs> and that would be fine, and then at a certain point, the males would be like, there would be like the, uh, <laughs> the, the real man, men's rights movement would be like, don't eat our heads off when we turn 18. We want to live longer. We found that that actually we can live longer than 18 years that we don't die immediately. But, you know, and it's anyway, any any sort of attribution of biological characteristics, not understanding where they come from and uh, assigning to them a morality that doesn't exist anywhere except in your own head um, is a good tool for understanding, understanding human nature, understanding the world and dealing with things that seem emotionally fraught or culturally fraught or tied up in all sorts of other things when really we are at the whim of a long chain of selection events over thousands and thousands of years that we have to recognize exist but don't have to accept at face value as morally right we can evaluate them in terms of how they affect other aspects like we don't like to be in pain we don't like to die uh, we like to be happy. Um, and some of our, some of the traits that got us to where we are run counter to those things. And as more enlightened beings with our brains, uh, at the state where they are, we have to recognize that, uh, you know, that there's this overwhelming urge to be violent and, or like to dominate others or whatever. And that that runs counter to our general happiness and well-being, the other things that we like. And so we have to figure out a way to again with the machine with the big pistons and everything figure out a way so that <laughs> men's men's violent impulses and sexual urges are counteracted with equally strong forces that redirect that energy in a way that is more productive you're never gonna get you know unless you start selecting for nonviolence in men which i'm not quite sure how you would do without eugenics which is a whole other topic right unless mm-hmm. you start selecting for that you have to build structures that uh, account for it and counterbalance it because we know that it's a it's a bad thing for all these other things that, that we care about um i will admit at this juncture that um you make me feel like the less smart person in many of our exchanges but this might be an idea for me i'm not even sure what kind of language to use at this point to even talk about the questions that i have um but i'm very intrigued by what you're saying is there not to buzzfeed this up, but is there something you could offer in terms of pigs and bunnies ideas for like what it is? How, how can we think about or talk about these things differently? And what are the, I, mean, I guess you've already kind of talked about this, but like what, it, what are some examples of the landmines that can be easily av- or can be avoided with examples? Because like, there's so many things, like, for example, my dumb water example, where I'm trying to think of all these things where like if I really try to run down what is causing or being caused by what or what conditions make things happen, I realize it's a house of cards. I realize that I, I actually know virtually virtually no actual science about any of this. It's mostly conventional wisdom. 
It's mostly, again, using easy phrases like nature, nurture, and things like that. So if you were going to, a little bit of Professor Sirkisa, if you're going to try and, and help a lay person think a little more intelligently about this, what are the things to troubleshoot and watch for, and what are the ways? Give a model that's more compelling than personifying these things. Well, I don't think you have to know the details, because I certainly don't. Like, every example I've given, I'm sure, is scientifically wrong. Well, how did you get this and I don't, apart from the fact that you're smarter? It's, uh, you know, as Roderick would say, it's a thought technology. And, and mm-hmm. the phrase that we use many times, a thought technology, like, why is it not just called an idea? Um, and the, the thought technology is a clever turn of phrase. I don't know if, if he made it up or you made it up. or It's his, it's his term, but I, I, it's very meaningful to me as much as we joke about it. I, I think... I think it's more than it's somewhere between an idea and a model, but it's it's a way of of uh, when you, we joke about that on the show, we say, "Oh, this is a new thought technology," even if that's like making an egg in a coffee cup. But when we, what I think that means that is meaningful is it's something more than just an idea, and it's something more testable or more applicable than just a general model. It's a way of saying, like, here's a way that I have decided I am going to think about this thing for a while. And I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of ad hoc testing in my life with how the way that I think about this can be adjusted uh, alongside reality and see what could be different. It's like it's it's closer to his idea of trying on an idea like you would a jacket. So my interpretation, having not actually participated in the invention of this phrase, but probably just hearing, be better. Just hearing it uh, <laughs> reinterpreted. And again, I'm sure there is a Latin word, uh, you know, set down by someone in Greece or Rome at the dawn of, of uh, you know, recorded history and by many people before we wrote things down. So again, no, no new ideas here. But the way I think of it is what differentiates a thought technology from an idea is a thought technology is an idea about how to think about things. Like an idea is just like, I'd like to go to the park. That's an idea. Or, you know, mm-hmm. but, but a thought technology is an idea specifically about thinking about things. Like it's not in and of itself. It doesn't give you anything, but it's like this is a new way to think about something. So a, that's a that's what I kind of meant to say. Yours makes more sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, an idea is something that that can be a very ephemeral thing that, that flits by, and it can be something you think about a lot. But the other the other phrase that I think is very similar that's more in parlance is uh, thought experiment, which I think is a more acceptable like philosophical term. But a thought technology is a, a new way to run thought experiments. Like it's a new way to think about things. It is a technology that you use in your thought process. Or before you thought about everything this way but here use this new thought technology and now you can think about things that you previously couldn't think about something like that anyway that i didn't yeah. make up this term this is just my in- interpretation of it but, the, but like, what would you how would i mean I, I answer however you want to talk about whatever you want but like i feel like i have trouble even i feel like a child in this conversation i don't really i mean it's not just that i don't have anything to say as part of our podcast it's that i'm realizing how little grounding i actually have in 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 any of these things that I use on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, I honestly don't know that much about what's behind them and how it actually works. So as with our rationality episode, can you give us a, a mini listicle on ways that you have tried to improve at that to at least avoid making an unnecessary dumb error in how you think about these things? Yeah, so I think the thought technology here, and it's related to the rationality thing, is the sort of foundational idea between evolution and the the many various uh convincing sounding but probably bs biological evolutionary explanations for everything um is to make sure that you don't forget because it's easy to forget that so many things about human beings including yourself are the way they are because of millions of years of reproduction and gene passing and selection and all that other stuff. And that those things 
are so deeply baked into us that they didn't come about last week. They're not probably unique in you. They probably had a purpose at some point. They may or may not have a purpose now. And none of them really have a particular inherent assignment of value based on our current cultural understanding, right? So again, with the, you know, we go back to like sex drive stuff, but it's such an easy one. Um, So much of how we think about that. Yeah. I mean, people, again, intellectually understand and recognize like why we are the way we are, but just like, I mean, maybe violence is an easier one. Why are men more violent than women? And like looking for all sorts of causes and culture and all those things are all definitely there, but it's like, just keep getting down to it. Like keep going down farther and farther. Like, it, there's almost nothing in in human nature that is that doesn't have some strong contributing genetic factor that can be traced back through the millennia down our evolutionary ladder. And keeping that in mind lets you deal with any problems that may be inherent in that. One, it helps you keeps you away from the idea where it's like because people feel things so strongly. Again, men, many men feel strongly that they should dominate women because they enjoy having sex with them and would like to have that whenever they want it, right? That such strong feelings like, this must be right because I feel it so strongly, that understanding where it comes from can dash that notion that there's any inherent like righteousness or morality or correct order of the universe related to it, that it's just the way things turned out for explicable reasons. And then you can think about it, and it's like, you know, if I take that away... Then I can judge it based on modern criteria, as in, does this make, you know, if if allowed free reign, does this make the world a better place or a workplace? Does this make people more happy or less happy? Like, we can judge things without, you know, you hear so much of this from, you have an action section here, like, how do we uh, figure out whether something is uh, regressive or progressive, right? So many arguments with so many people who, we would, you know, the progressives would consider regressive, sort of come down to if you keep arguing with about anything whether you know pick pick your hot button topic what sexism is an easy one if you if you argue sexism you will eventually in many cases reach down to the root premise which is like well men and women are different and men are more important and smarter and better and should dominate because it's the natural order of things like you will get down to it's like well look like <laughs> we hold you, these truths we hold are, these truths to be yeah, self-evident right. are you denying this i mean like they'll, they'll pull yeah. out the facts like this is just the way it is like men are more aggressive and more dominant and more violent and we should be in charge just look, look at the pioneer plaque right, right. Like, it's just like this like it's and that's what you'll reach at the bottom and it's like but it, you know that's if if you believe in this sort of like this is the way things should be as opposed to this is just how things turned out and this is what we have to deal with like that your that your axiom is like well, here we are, um, and that must be the right way of things, so just get in line. And it's like, but no, that makes a lot of people sad. It makes half the planet, more than half the planet sad. Um, and if they keep tracing, you know, it's like, men should have the same rights as women. They should be able to vote. Why should they be able to vote? Well, you know, and like, it's just it's just not the natural order of things, right? Because, they, again, they feel all these things so strongly. If you don't, If you don't accept that premise, but instead look at it on its face and say, our goal is to make the most people the happiest and healthiest, uh, what set of rules should we have? Uh, you wouldn't retreat back to that because you're like, that means nothing. That means nothing any more than like, 
uh, you know, I I can't. Talk but you realize you realize that it's for the cargo cargo cult that it is. Yeah, I was going to say like there's nothing pertaining to eye color, but like we've we've latched on anything visible and and right. and, and it decided it is the you know hair color, skin color, eye color. I can't even pick anything. No, no size has been pretty reliable for us. <sighs> I just, like yeah, there's there's almost no characteristic that you can pick. I was about to compare it like to something else, but every single characteristic that is observable we have assigned this incredible <laughs> like importance and significance and killed each other over that there's like nothing safe to, to hair hand size height <laughs> blood type how about that it's like it, it is about as significant as, in japan that's really big oh i don't want to know but uh, what type no blood no it's not like a uh, like a teenage girl thing what your blood type is it's like your zodiac sign <sighs> anyway um yeah, so like that's that's the difficulty of this is that you if you're arguing with somebody, I feel like in a lot of cases you will end up back at at uh, at your real disagreement is as on this premise. And the thought technology for the progressive side is to understand that the regressive side is to backsol from your urges and try to make a, a world in which they are justified and supported, which in general is a bad idea because a lot of the a lot of the things that we have that made sense to get us where we are make less sense if our goal is to make more people have better lives, which maybe you disagree with that goal. Maybe the goal is to kill everybody except for you and then you're super happy, right? I don't know. Pick whatever your goals want. You can get into the whole sort of larger morality issue there or whatever, but I think most people would agree. <laughs> it could be the, the apocalypse model. Yeah. I think most people would eventually agree that like uh, more people are having happier, better lives is better than fewer. Like, I don't know, maybe that's controversial. What's the, um, so if you're going to take the thought technology and turn it into like a mini homework assignment, what's something we could, uh, not just reading, but like, what's something you would encourage uh, thinking about differently in an active way? I mean, like I said, uh, rationality and the, the, the scientific mindset of using that as a lens through which to view everything and re-examining assumptions because there's so many assumptions inherent in everything that, that we think about um that sometimes it's difficult to see past that and like i think it was on a past episode we we're talking about like arguing with people like th- that i would have to that to even have a productive <laughs> debate we have to you'd have to strip everything back down like you can't even have an argument about something that's like 700 levels higher like you have to go down 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 get down to like the real root thing of like wait a second like you know, again, with the, you will eventually get down to if you're arguing with somebody about like uh, uh, treating women as human beings, you'll eventually get down to the root thing, which is like, no, they really believe like that that there is a difference, that it's important, that it's right, and then like, where do you even go from there? Like, and to <laughs> right, and so so having a conversation about the importance of the ver- verified check mark with that person might not be fruitful. Yeah, or just bringing it all the way down to like, how do you, how do you tell where things are true, or whatever, and so. But also there's, a, I mean, there's that, that also just that sense of like, this is so ugly, but there's also just the, so I don't, I don't know if this is biological, but there's just so many seemingly good reasons to never, never change your mind about something where like somewhere in that stack more than halfway down is going to be this. I just prefer to be right. Like I, I will find any evidence I can. And if you try to like figure out where those cognitive biases might have some kind of root, like a lot of them just come down to, I will mangle reality i will mangle my observations of reality unintentionally in any way i have to in order to not need to change my mind or to do the basic nate silver uh tactic of needing to figure out what i was getting wrong like that's about the last thing that i would do yeah and the the thought technology applied here is like all those things that you that we find people doing all those things that are part of human nature 
um, are not individual character failings, but like there's a reason we run all these experiments. And like actually, when we show people evidence that uh, counteracts that, they became more strongly, uh, you know, uh, uh, believing in their false idea. Like all that stuff. The reason we can do studies like that is because, again, as a group, not individually, but like on mass, all of humanity exhibits these things. And you can say, why? Why do we all exhibit these things? Is it just because we're taught these bad things when we, or did, or did all these things that have bad effects in society also have good purpose like a pattern matching like you know stereotyping like everything that has a flip side to everything like all the things that make us you know be stereo stereotype people and be racist and terrible to other, you know fear of others fear of people who don't look like us tribalism you know jingoism like everything that's bad about humans you could say well i can understand how there are good sides to that too both in the current world and in the past world and in the far far distant past when we were lemurs or whatever like you know just all of them are. No, a, le- a lemur might say that that lion doesn't belong here, or whatever. Like that, there, there's a, a purpose for that. Yeah, and like yeah, and exa- to, to understand that that's where that comes from, and that to to start from that premise that there are there are things that we feel that have you know that they are they're, they're never going to go away on a time scale that we care about, and so that we have to create structures that deal with them, that account for them towards the goal of that i mean that's i feel like what progressivism is all about like although a little bit sometimes it slips a little bit into the idea if we could only just make it so that people don't fear people who aren't like them you're never going to do that like not on the time scales that we care about right so what you have to do is come up with systems that account for the fact that people are afraid of things they don't know right or like whatever whatever things you know all the pattern matching that helps us like not accidentally bump into things and recognize things at work and learn how to do them like all those incredible pattern match things that our brain do also lead to stereotypes if we do pattern matching of things we see and we generalize and we say well all of those people are like that and like that is the pattern matching part of our brain going awry in a way that makes for terrible negative consequences in society and you can't say well you shouldn't think that way um what you have to do is arrange like yeah like just just saying boo like don't think about that yeah we have to arrange things in a way that that is counteracted by you know i don't know whatever whatever solutions you want to have but like the worst is thinking that that's well that's just the natural law of things and that's the way it should be the second worst is thinking we're going to change human nature by passing laws right that's not to get into libertarianism again but that's the whole problem with Mm -hmm. that whole premise is like that uh that you will change human nature you just have to deal with human nature the way it is in many parts and counteracting it may be changing the nurture part of us and if we raise people in this way and teach them these things and have them interact at least, with people at least it has a ways. fighting chance right yeah. but you have to know what you're counteracting like all those things that are there that we study extensively that we know about like you know all, all i see people complaining on twitter like we've done all these studies we understand that like people aren't convinced by arguments like this in fact it makes them retrench farther like is your goal to just be right or is your goal to change things you have to you have to work the human machine the way it is like you're not going to change the human machine this is also where it gets into a a topic that i know almost as equally as little about which is the biological part of that when you get into the limbic system and your amygdala and all these different parts of your brain that are that are sending some of the most intense negative feelings or feelings of fear and anxiety you're going to get today just come from this one little almond on your brain that is there for a very good reason but and it's i don't say it's impossible but it's extremely difficult to fight that biological urge to for what some people call fight or flight that there's this there's some part of you that like it doesn't matter how it happened it matters that it happened and now you're feeling that feeling and your body is surging with adrenaline 
or you're pooping yourself or whatever it is. And even if that's on the much smaller scale of I can't believe a woman got promoted over me, that is still a very real feeling, whether or not it's politically correct or not. That That's what you're facing, though, is that those are oh, – I almost said hardwired. Those are some very deep feelings that are that are coming out of some nozzles that squirt very freely and without your – uh, without your conscious uh, uh, knowing or ability. Yeah, and again, if you know if you know that's what's going to happen, if you know if society stays in the shape that it is, that, that you're going to raise generations of people who think these things, and those things have bad consequences for everyone involved, you have to counteract that by, you know, doing the nur- targeting your nurturing, targeting your actually your your teaching your society your structure of every, everything having that we get to control like a little baby comes out and it has the genetics that it has we get to control a bunch of other stuff so for example being accepting of people of different sexual orientations is a thing that we can control because if they were the only person on the planet there's no one there to not accept them they would just be the way they are like that is a thing that we apply to them because you know like well most of us are like this and you're like that therefore you're wrong right we can change that by changing the way you know we we and we slowly are changing, changing the way society works all right so we're not changing the people we're 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 not changing like you know people are born the way they're born we're trying to change the culture so that those people are not demonized and we know there's going to be an instinct to demonize them because they're different right and so we have to recognize that that's there and counteract it in some way and that's that's essentially progressivism whereas regressivism is like that person is wrong and they shouldn't exist which you know it's i feel like it's pretty easy to label uh to label something as progressive and regressive and people hate that because they don't like to think of themselves as regressive i don't even like conservative because it's conservative is just like i don't know we want things to stay exactly the way they are because they're awesome for me like it's it i think it's too uh, too nice of a term but it's pretty easy to pick those things out um but the solutions like even among progressives we're subject to the same instincts as everyone else sometimes you just want to say the thing that feels good even though you know it will actually make things worse in terms of convincing anyone of of your position rather than better or i mean this is the ultimate hack of the people the the top level of the echelon of figuring out how can we shape society to make things better like democracy was a pretty good one because kings and everything tie into a lot of the whole tribalism and you know transference and i believe i'm tough because my king is tough and we killed the neighboring kingdom like there are lots of reasons that that system lasted for as long as it did because it taps into some very important things but eventually people figured out that net net we can have a general happier populace if we don't have kings and serfs and we tried this thing where everybody votes and i mean obviously the greeks did it and everything too but um that's got problems too so we're 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 working on it but on that on that scale of us working through different systems of government human nature has not changed a bit i would imagine not not a single bit because again that gets into a past discussion what are we even selecting for now i don't even know like especially in a land of plenty where anyone has a chance to reproduce i have no idea what we're selecting for if anything It'd be a lot easier if we, were, if we were ants and then just aliens could manage us and figure out how can we keep most of the ants alive and happy? Oh, I'd love that. I'd love a new I boss. I don't think you would love that. You don't think the so? The thing to do is, is to kill all the ants that are even remotely aggressive so we don't be dead. I'm easy. I'm, I'm very manageable. No, I would probably mean kill all the men. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It's not good for us. Most scenarios are not good for men. I don't think we get a vote. We don't. We don't, don't bring. Do not agree to binding arbitration by aliens. <laughs> you have thirty days because they will solve the problem in a way that you probably won't like if you're a man. Because <laughs> really, we are the problem when you get down to it. There's good news and bad news. We have reached a resolution. Right. We project much more happiness and peace.
<laughs> Bad news. Men, you're out. Hope to God you have a small bag packed. 